Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So Melanie, I want to respond to something you said. You said, I'm not one to preach about this, right? No, you can go ahead. I'm going to just talk about you. No, I'm not going to talk about you. Um, here's the reality. You know, we think, sometimes we, I get the sentiment of that. I agree with the sentiment of that. But the reality is, is a preacher had to have everything all together that he preached about, there would be no preaching. Seriously, right? We're all works in progress, and when we say the truth that God has stated, and we apply that to life, if we call that preaching, that's fine, because the authority is from God, not from man, right? I don't say these things, Melly doesn't say those things, we don't say those things because I have it together, or because of what I think, but because of God has it together. <laughs> And what he thinks is uh, so important. Well, 2020 was a tough year, wasn't it? I heard somebody say something to this effect, that they feel like that 2020 was a really bad year, and then on New Year's Eve it got drunk and became 2021. And 2021 doesn't seem to be off to a much better start, right? Do you find your heart troubled about anything? that goes on in our world, right? Maybe fearful even sometimes. Yeah, I, I find myself finding that, that's trouble, a sense of trouble, whatever comes over me. Um, as I think back, we think back a year ago and, and on the horizon was we hearing something about a virus or something going on in China, right? And all this stuff and then we, the reality is we don't know how this virus came about, right? I mean, we, there's all sorts of things that you can hear. If you, if you want to go read about um, ideas about how things happen like that, you, you, you won't run out of things to read for a long time. But so we don't know how it came about. We do know that it did come about. And then all of a sudden, within the period of a couple of weeks, we're hearing, hey, no, no we got to shut everything down, right? So we, we go into this lockdown, and we're all thinking, okay, we're going to flatten the curve. You know, three weeks, we're going to be coming back out to normal. And, of course, that never happened, right? It only, it, we just keep having these waves of this. People's lives are being uh, uh, turned upside down. People who have lost not only jobs, people have lost companies, um, People have lost people, right? What, well over 300,000 people have died from this virus this, at this point. Um, and you start to say, when's it going to end, right? And in the middle of all this, there are always people, there, there are some people who have, have obviously done very well during this because their services and what they, you know, they've made lots of money through this time, but other people haven't. Uh, but then there are also people in power here and there who kind of like this power, right? And they have abused powers, and I mean, it's just been a mess, and, and when does it end, and where, you know, and then you hear of a, oh, there's a more contagious strain now, and, and, and then you think, even if we start to get better from this, what's, what's the next one? Anybody besides me think like this sometimes? 
you know, I find myself troubled. And then the political environment and, and what's going on there. You know, uh, it's, it's very troubling to see, regardless of what your political position is, it's very troubling to see people breaking into the Capitol, right? And, and, and with violence at our Capitol, trying to resolve issues, even if you understand or are sympathetic to the feelings, right? That's, it's troubling. It's, and, and, and then you have the responses that, I mean, I think that was very unfortunate. If It's not, I guess, a theologically correct word. Is it unfortunate? But that this plays right into the hands of other people who want to, uh, you know, now silence viewpoints and make, you know, criminalize uh, different opinions and beliefs. And I mean, it, so it's a loss of freedom from what our country's been. All these things are, wow, right? In turmoil and up in the air. And I gotta be real honest that if I, I'm always honest, I wanna be open, that there are times I find myself feeling quite troubled about that and a little bit fearful for what's gonna happen. Not so much for me, but what's gonna happen for my kids and my grandkids, you know? And what's our country going to be like? And what's their experience in life going to be like? And would, if, if this continues to where certain viewpoints are no longer acceptable in the public square and you know, it won't be that long until our viewpoint as Christians isn't welcome in the public square either. It's not real welcome now. But I mean, it could become outlawed. We, we don't know, right? I mean, let me say this right up front. God, God's work in our world and what God is doing is not about making America great again. Whatever your political opinions are on how things ought to go, okay? But it's, it's America will go up and down in the providence of God over history. It will. And God judges nations in history. And obviously we as a nation for, I mean, I was thinking about the day, going back to the late 1800s and charting through it in my mind or what's happened and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't think we can say that our nation as a whole has been especially godly for the last several generations. And so we experience, we're experiencing in our nation the result of people having turned away from the Lord. Uh, in their mind, they may not have turned against the Lord, but they've certainly turned away from his ways and we're experiencing the results of that. But all, what I'm trying to say, and, and add to this now, your own life, your, you know, your relationships in your, your life that you have, your, uh, whether it's, it's your husband or wife or your children or grandchildren or brother, sisters or mom and dad or whatever and, and concerns there. And, I mean, don't raise your hand, but anybody have any concerns about any of those relationships and what's going on in them? I do, you know? Um, then, then your own health, whether we're talking about coronavirus or anything else, what's going on in your own life, your own health can be a concern. Your finances, you know? If, if things don't change, we all may have our finances hurt a little more. And then, so how we deal with that? What do we do? Uh, you know, as a pastor of the church, I go to the church, and, and you guys, the, you and you watch and have been generous during this time because we've kept, we're, we're right at the level. We've made it. And a lot of churches haven't. So I'm grateful for that. But that's, as a pastor, I think about that. That's a, a reality on the horizon for me. Um, your job, 
whatever. You're not trying to say, are there, is there anything in life that can make your heart be troubled? Is there? Yeah. And so it's, it's something that we need to look at. And this, was, this is not the next sermon in the series that I had going because it just, this week I just, I really felt moved by the Lord to talk about this. Because here's the deal, as we find ourselves, there should be an introductory slide up there. There we go, thanks guys. As we find ourselves facing all the things in our world, all the things in our lives, and we find ourselves, hearts get troubled. Sometimes we become fearful about something um, that as Christians, God has called us to something different. It's very natural to be troubled, very natural to be fearful, but God has called us to something different. And so I want to say to you, troubled, fearful hearts, not with Jesus. And I don't mean some magical miracle thing, all of a sudden you have no more troubles and there's nothing more fear. I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying that as believers with the relationship with Jesus Christ, that troubled and fearful should not be the primary descriptors of our lives. It should be something different. So let's take our Bibles and go see what Jesus has to say about this. In John chapter 1. And I, I, I really just want to be as realistic as I can with you about these things. That, that, that there are things. I mean, that God has called us to something different doesn't mean that we always got that nailed down. Just one of the reasons we come together and remind ourselves of these things. John 14. Getting ready for the last events of Jesus' life on earth. He's going to be taken captive by the Jewish leaders and then by the Romans, eventually crucified. And of course, the good news, he rises from the dead. But all of this is in front of these men. And these men that he's talking to have left family. They have not been with family largely. They've been away following this one that they believe is the Messiah. They have, uh, they're finding themselves in Jerusalem in an exceedingly hostile environment, not knowing what's going to happen. You know, thinking that maybe Jesus is going to uh, rise up and, and throw off the yoke of Rome and They had reason to have troubled hearts, is what I'm trying to say to you. You know, they didn't know what, if they left and went home, they didn't know what they would be going back to. If they stay and face it, they don't know what they're facing. Jesus is saying, it seems like he keeps telling them, I'm going to be put to death. And they're like, no, wait a minute. He must be speaking symbolically, right? You know, and they, they can't make heads or tails of all this. And then Jesus says this to them. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas 
a real thinker, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he continues his conversation with them, and he talks about the Holy Spirit who's coming and, and, and uh, what loving him is going to mean. Let's go down to verse 27. He says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he concludes here. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Father, we come to you and, and thank you for your word, for sending your son and your spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would now speak to us. We need to hear from you, from your word today. And I pray, Father, that we'll consciously open our hearts and minds to hear from you and to do what you show us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we read those verses. Now it's all settled. Right? You're all set. No more troubled heart. <laughs> no more. But we need to address this reality that if those of us who know Jesus as Savior, okay, he is Lord, correct? He is Lord. And when he is Lord, he's the one who says, here's the way it goes. Here's the way it's supposed to be. And he said to us, let not your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. So don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. Well, what does that mean? Well, this idea of trouble, the word that's translated there, uh, troubled, uh, is the idea of to stir up or to agitate. So like if you have something, a liquid, and you stir it, boy, it gets up like this, doesn't it? Or to agitate. You know, I don't think they put them so much in the newer washing machines, but the older washing machines, they had what? Agitators that did what? Everything. Back and forth and agitate, right? And so our hearts can become that way, can't they? Tension and oh, not knowing which way to go, and that's that troubled heart. And, and this word that's translated, don't be afraid, uh, actually uh, refers to being timid. Um, let me see, I want to make sure I... That's right. Timid, showing a lack of courage or confidence, easily frightened. Okay, so we got to be not that way. That <sighs> and by the way, in life, things happen, right? That initially scares, don't they? <gasps> I do it to my wife all the time when I'm driving. Okay? Um, but those things come. The same thing with the troubling coming. We have to understand that the Lord here is not telling us to be in denial. Because there are things that will trouble your heart. They will. There are things that will cause you to have a sudden sense of fear, frighten you. That is going to happen. When he says, don't let it, what he's saying is, don't let it stay that way. Right? When you find yourself all of a sudden feeling troubled, you need to say, wait a minute, no. I'm going to choose not to be troubled. Find myself fearful. Wait a minute. Wait. I don't need to be afraid. I, I'm going to choose not to. Now, once again, that 
Easier said than done, isn't it? Pretty simple and straightforward, but not necessarily easy as for us as human beings. But let's, let's think a little bit more about this idea of our hearts and, and, and how we respond to things. You know, some people are just very open and you can tell what's going on in their heart, right? Because if they are troubled on the inside, they're also troubled on the outside. If they're fearful on the inside, they are also fearful on the outside, okay? And so we can see that. But then there are others, maybe a good bunch of us in here who will never let that be seen, right? We might be troubled on the inside and we might even be fearful, but we're never gonna let that be seen. In fact, the opposite extreme is, is people and I want to include myself in this to some extent, but people who have locked down their hearts. For whatever reason in life, they have locked down their hearts and they aren't going there. In fact, I would say to you, so, so they, they may say, well, I'm not troubled, I'm not afraid. Well, maybe not of this that we're talking about, but you know what you're troubled and afraid about? Is opening up your heart. And we, we might think, well, what's the big deal? You know, this, it looks good on the outside. You got it all under control. But the problem is this. When you lock down your heart, and the reason I'm saying this is because I, I just can't help but think there's some of you here today, some of you watching who are saying, well, I don't have a problem with troubled heart. I'm not afraid. I don't have any problems there. And I want to challenge you that Jesus said this to all of us. Okay. But when you lock down your heart, you, you can't just say, well, I'm locking down this part and not the rest. Because any place when you're letting your heart be impacted and go is a threat to all of us, a threat. I mean, a threat to be contagious into all of it. And, and when you lock down your heart, you lock down your heart to an intimate relationship with God. Not that you don't believe in him. You're going to read your Bible, but the idea is you're just, you're not open there. You're not open to relationships with people. You miss the kind of relationship you could have with other people, those that you care about the most, and, but you're locked down to it. And so I want to really encourage you today. Um, if your heart is locked down, I want to challenge you, stop being troubled and fearful about opening up your heart. Open up your heart. It'd be the, it might be the scariest thing you ever did, but it's going to be the best choice you ever made. Opening up your heart to God. But the idea is, what you see is that, that this affects all of us. This challenge, this, it is a command. The language, the grammar is in the imperative. It's a command. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. All right. So uh, it's pretty clear that we need to do that. Now, as, as, as it was highlighted in our worship today, and I want to say to you that, that we need to hear this, okay? Well, let me, let me just, I'll go on and I'll, I'll talk about this. Um, there are four good reasons not to be troubled or afraid. Now, there might be more than four. I'm sure there probably are. We could come up with more. But there are four definite, really good reasons not to have a troubled heart or to be afraid. And the first one is because Jesus said so. Okay, Jesus said so. <sighs> don't you wish that just settled it always? I mean, don't you wish that with your own kids, just because you said so, settled it? 
Well, here we are the Lord. He's, because he said so, that is a good reason not to be troubled or afraid. Uh, because we need to get out of this mindset of hemming and hawing around about, you know, well, yeah, I know he said it, but... And what we have to do is to say, he said it. Okay, Lord, you said, I, my heart is not to be troubled and I'm not to be afraid, okay? So I, I surrender to that, see? I surrender to you in that, Lord. I do. Oh, God, help me. I don't have a clue how to do it. You know, we can, that's an okay place to be. But don't be going around saying, well, yeah, but you don't understand because what I'm troubled about or what I'm fearful about, no, no, no. We need to hold ourselves to account to what God has said. All right? So I'm talking to you about today is not optional if you're going to be a Christian who has surrendered to the Lord. Now, you may have a whole lot to grow in to be able to actually learn to live that. But okay, God, you said so, I will somehow, by your grace, do that. Okay? Second good reason is he's already, already uh, proven that he's committed to your well-being. So in other words, if I'm going to say, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled, I'm not, you know, what did he say in verse 1, right? Let not your heart be troubled. Over in verse 27, don't be afraid. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And now for them that had special significance because he was trying to help them understand who he was, that he indeed was God in human form, and they could trust him. We already know that part of the story, but he said, don't be troubled, instead what? Believe. Believe. And this idea of believing is knowing what's true and then choosing to trust it. Cho knowing that something will hold you up and choosing to step out on it. Knowing that what God said is true and that I can step out in faith and do it and live that way. All right, so um, he's already proven he's committed to your well-being. If you're going to trust him, don't you want to know that? I want to trust. Have you ever had anybody in your life that you said, I wouldn't trust them any farther than I could throw them? And I'd like to throw them down the stairs. Because you don't trust them. And so I, it's, it's understandable that, you know, you need to trust who you, and be able to trust this, someone you're going to commit your life to and, and go with and believe in. All right, so he's already proven his commitment to your well-being. Uh, the Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely given us, give us all things? And, and so the idea is this, is that, that God has already taken care of the big stuff, the worst stuff, the heaviest stuff, right? This is the gospel message, isn't it? That God loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place, paying the penalty for our sins, which are many, rising again from the dead and then saying to us, if we will be honest with ourselves and with God that we have sinned against a holy God and, and believe that Jesus did die for our sins and rise again from the dead, that we can then place our faith in him as Savior and be forgiven for all that. And, and the only other option is to go to hell for all eternity. Now, that ought to trouble your heart if you don't know Jesus. But he's already taken care of the big things. Everything else is smaller stuff. Imagine that if, if somebody, 
extremely rich person came along and you met them and they just, they, they fell in love with you and your family and they said, tell you what, I have set up, I've got this card that I'm giving you. Uh, I own this, all this whole chain of grocery stores and this card has unlimited, but you just go, you get whatever you need. Anytime I want you to make sure your family's always well fed and taken care of and just don't worry about it. It's, it's yours from now on and you know, the bill will get paid. It's not your problem anymore. You just use it. All right, would that be anybody, anybody interested? I don't know that person, so. Uh, um, but think about this, would you say, find yourself saying, well, wait a minute, is it okay if I buy cold medicine there? Is it, how, oh wait, we need some Band-Aids, is it okay if we buy some Band-Aids? How about Twinkies? No, don't buy Twinkies, they'll kill you, okay? <laughs> but the idea is, do you need to be worrying about the little stuff? No, because this little stuff is already, already included with the, the big price, the big stuff. And so in your life, when you find yourself with troubles in this life and what's going on, why are you worried that God won't take care of you? He's already proven how committed he is to your well-being by saving your soul, Right? By sending his son to die for you. Everything else is little stuff from God's perspective. And so we don't, and it's not too little for him to be concerned about. But we don't need to be concerned about it. He's already proven it. Let me see here. If something I was... Yes. All right. So... We need to, a good reason is just because Jesus said so. Second is because he's already proven he's committed to our well-being. Third reason, the bad things that trouble you are temporary. God's good plans for you are eternal. Eternal. So think about this. Why do our hearts get troubled? And why do we become afraid? It's because there's bad stuff going on, isn't there? There's bad stuff. Stuff that's going to hurt, maybe. Stuff that's going to make life very difficult. Stuff that might end your life. All that stuff. There is hard stuff, bad stuff going on. But I want you to think about it. It is only temporary. It really, really is only temporary. You go to the dentist. And they are going to give you a shot until you won't feel what they're doing. I personally, you know, my brother, he's got it right. He goes to the dentist, he gets general anesthesia because he hates going to the dentist. So do I. What's up with that? But I don't get general anesthesia. But the idea is they always warn you, little pinch, little something, and sure enough, yeah. And then get, you know, but it's, it's very temporary, isn't it? It's very short-lived, okay? You can do, deal with it. Well, life seems longer than that, doesn't it? Especially the younger you are here, the life seems longer. But in reality, compared to eternity, this life is just like that. It's gone. For, for those of you who are younger, now listen, just listen to those of us who are older. How fast has life gone by? How did you get to where you are now, those of us who are on the other... Right? Boom, it goes by fast. It is only 
temporary. It really is. So worst that could happen, well, maybe not. One of the worst things that could happen is that something bad happens and we die. So we die and where do we go? To heaven and all this stuff that's been troubling you is gone. Okay, so it was temporary. Uh, we die. Well, yeah, I think worse than that, life could get really bad. Life could get really hard. I don't know, you know, everything could go worse. All the bad ways I can imagine go that way. Life gets worse. Well, so what's the deal? What that means is if you are surrendered to the Lord and seeking to go with him, this is, you're going to get to know him a whole lot better than you ever had before. You will draw close to him in ways you never had before. Okay? You will... Uh, be able to glorify him in ways that you now do not have opportunities to. I mean, for what it's worth, I, I hope I don't get this, this coronavirus. I really hope I don't. If I do get the coronavirus, I have an opportunity to glorify God in that, right? So I'm not asking God for that opportunity, but if it comes, I can glorify God in a way that I would never would have been able to glorify him, okay? Uh, and as we live in ways that glorify him now, we, especially in hardship, difficulties, even we ex uh, will experience eternal rewards. In other words, I'm laying up treasure in heaven by living the way he wants me to here and now, especially when it's hard. Okay? So, uh, we will get to experience, you know, something that you may experience in certain areas of your life, but you'll get to experience what the Apostle Paul did when he said, oh God, would you please take this miserable, whatever his problem was, away from me. And God said, no, you're going to learn to rely on me. And Paul learned to rely on me in such a way and depend on the Lord that, oh, thank you, God. So, the worst that can happen is only temporary, and if temporary stuff happens, God has good purposes in allowing it. Okay, not only is it temporary, so God, God has good plans for you uh, in this life and in eternity. Think about this. What, is what does Jesus say here? When he wants to comfort them about being, not being troubled or fearful, Verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I am preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. The designer of the universe, the creator designer of the universe, the one who designed the Milky Way and all that can be seen out there, the one who designed uh, the flowers, the, the beauty of the flowers, the one who designed the simplicity and complexity of these everything systems and how they all work together. The one who is the creator of music and our ability to understand and appreciate it. The one who, who paints that sunset in the sky and the sunrise in the morning. And, and we could go on and on thinking of all the amazing things you think about. Wow, look what the creator did, how he designed everything. He's making a place for you. I mean, sometimes, oh, that's heaven, okay, yeah. No, no, no. Who knows you better than you do? Now, your spouse usually thinks they know you better than you do, but they probably don't. But God absolutely does. God knows you better than you know yourself. And he's designing a place just for you. You can have gardens, right? I think you're going to have books. I think you get... I don't know, you might have a car to work on, Charlie. 
I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is he knows you. And, and you're going to go deer hunting and you're going to shoot them and they're going to get jump up and you're going to do high fives to each other. And... But God is designing a place specifically for you with you in mind. And he says, I'm coming back. I'm going to get you. I mean, you're going to come back and get you because your life is going to end or I'm going to come back and get you when I get everybody. And either way, a place prepared for you. Isn't that good news? And so we go to be with the Lord in this situation. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 describes that. It says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. It's, not, it's going to get, I talked recently about this, it's going to get better every day. Better every day. Uh, and then in this life, I already said that in Romans 8.28, we know, right, that all things work together for good. To those who are called according to his purpose, those who who love him. And so it's this temporary, not only is it temporary, if he is allowing it, he will bring good out of it. Wow. If that's the case, do I need to be troubled about this? Do I need to be afraid? No, I'm believing in God. I'm believing in Jesus. The one who's doing good now and will do good in all eternity. Hmm. Can you trust him? And so once again, this doesn't mean that, that the troubles won't get up and you won't find yourself heart going, whoa, or, or being fearful, but it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. I believe in God. I trust in God. His purposes for me are good. He's already proven it. He's told me to do it, so I know I must be able to do it. Because he said so. All right. And then fourth good reason is that Jesus has already made his supernatural peace available to you. This peace that you need. And I really probably should have added uh, his love because perfect love casts out fear. And his love for us can drive that fear away. But there's two, two directions that this peace goes. And... and uh, the first one is peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we become a believer. We place our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Okay? We have peace with God. We're no longer separated. There's no longer, we're no longer enemies. And, and you know, we don't think we're enemies, but we are enemies of God when we are not yielded to him in salvation. Okay? But not only do we have peace with God, Philippians talks about praying to God. And then it says this, when we pray, it says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because we have peace with God, now we can have in our lives the peace of God. The peace of God. And this all comes really as a result of the pursuit of our relationship with him. Okay, we get peace with God because we have surrendered into a relationship with him. The peace of God as we surrender in, in pursuing relationship with him, the whole growing idea. We, we talk with God. That's what Philippians 4 context is, is praying. We, we're in his word. We're trying to get to know him. We're trying to see what it means to live this way in our lives and, and asking for his help to do it. And we're engaging with other Christians who are also doing it and we're helping one another. We're pursuing a relationship with him. And as we do that, we experience God's peace in our lives. We, we, in the middle of a terrible storm, we can, life storm, we can say all is well. It is well. 
with my soul. My heart is not troubled. And, and so I would say to you that when I find myself being, starting to be troubled by things, right? I was, wait a minute, what am I doing, right? And I believe what a nice thing it is to be able to go, okay. And not be troubled, knowing that my God has it in his hands, in control. All right, so let me just give you four quick practical steps of how to experience this and live it out in your life. Okay, first one is this. Go ahead. Spend more time with the Lord than you do with the news. <laughs> Whatever, however you do that, okay? Uh, I, you know, I can, if I get engaged with the topic and I'm reading about it and I'm looking at it and watching videos and listening, whatever, the pocket, I see, you know, I can have spent several hours on that stuff if I'm not careful. Well, if I'm getting several hours of that and few or no minutes with the Lord, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have a troubled heart. I'm going to find myself fearful, and so will you. And so make some conscious choices. I'm not saying you don't need to know what's going on in the news. I think it's good for Christians to know what's going on in the news so you can participate with the fear fellow man and love your neighbors in ways that are probably... I mean, it's good to know that, but just... Don't get caught up in it, because remember that God is sovereign over all, right? And he lets things happen, but he could stop, whatever. It's, it, he has good purposes, all we've already talked about. So spend on purpose. This is the idea of pursuing that relationship with the Lord. Get in the Word. I, I'm serious. If you are going to watch an hour of news, you better be in the Word and your time with God more than an hour. Because which is more important in the long run? Okay, I'm being serious about this. So you need to think, what do I need to do in this area of my life? Increase one, decrease one, whatever. Okay, second practical step. Spend less time with people who don't point you to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, if you want to, if you want to try to reach people who don't know Jesus, you're going to have to spend time with people who don't point you to Jesus. Okay? And if the Lord is having you reach someone, go for it. I'm not talking about that. Or, or if God has put in your heart, you know, you're really trying to engage with another Christian who's struggling and who isn't, and they're not pointing to Jesus, but God has led you to, to encourage them and be a part of their life and serve them, go for it. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about when you find yourself hanging around with people, either in person or even these days more likely online, who are not pointing you to Jesus, who are not encouraging you, who in fact are discouraging you, and you realize I can't change this situation with them, walk away. Just walk away. Not that those, you know, you know, you'll be willing to help those people. That isn't the point. But you need to do what it takes to surrender to the Lord and not have a troubled heart, not be fearful. Okay? And I really think that for a lot of us, that means that we need to spend less time online looking at what all of the people we know are saying. Does that make sense? Sound a little harsh. I don't want to be harsh with it. And then, ask the Lord to fill your heart with peace. Okay, you're, you're, you're believing these things, you're trying to do these things, you surrender to that. Ask Him to give you peace. You've been pursuing your relationship with Him but you still find yourself getting trouble. Ask for peace, and then repeat as needed. Okay, uh, think. Do you think having a heart that's not troubled and not being fearful, is that God's will for your life? That you not be troubled? Yeah. 
Is that God's will? Yes. Is it God's will for you that you not be a fearful person? Yeah. In fact, look, in, in 1 John chapter 5, go ahead and view with it. It says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So it is his will that we not have troubled hearts. Oh God, my heart is starting to feel troubled and I don't want a troubled heart. Please give me your peace. Is that God's will? Does he hear that prayer then? Is he going to answer? Yeah. Now I'm not saying separate. You need to be pursuing your relationship with God, right? You need to be staying surrendered, but oh God, help me. And a minute later, the thought comes back. <gasps> oh God, can I ask him again? How many times can I ask? Is okay? Four times? Twelve times? Well, Matthew chapter 7, and this, the, the New Living Translation captures the, the grammatical emphasis, and it says this, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on asking. So if you have to ask God a hundred times a day to help me to not have a troubled heart, and you're, you're believing these things, you're applying these things, God's going to answer, and, and more and more you will experience the peace of God in your heart. Okay? Final thing. Think. That should be enough of a thing to say. No, but think. How would I live if I wasn't troubled or fearful? If I wasn't troubled or fearful, how would I live? Then live that way. That's that practical step of faith. If all of this is true, and I'm believing that it is, is I'm surrendered to God, I'm pursuing my relationship with him, I, he's a work in my life, it's all the bad stuff's temporary and with God's good purpose, all, I, all these things. If I really believe that and I didn't have a troubled heart, what would I do? What would I do differently? What would I do that I'm not now doing? Well, wow, if I wasn't really troubled or fearful, you know what I'd do? I'd, I'd go find a different job. The reason I don't is because I'm afraid. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait a minute. If you weren't afraid, you'd go for it? You think that's what God wants you to do if you weren't afraid? Go do it then. So you step out in faith. You know, I would, I would uh, go back to work on this relationship if I wasn't so troubled or fearful. I'd go back and, and lean into that relationship. I would, I would, wow, I would give generously to people who have needs. I'd give generously to the work of the church. Whatever it is. But do you see how this is a practical step? Okay, if all this that we're saying is true and that we don't have that trouble, how would I live if that was the case? Okay, what do I do today to live that way? And then do it. Then do it. So, troubled and fearful hearts, not with Jesus. Not with Jesus in two ways. One, because Jesus says no. And the other, because he enables us not to have troubled hearts or fearful hearts. So my question to you today is this. What do you need to do in your life for this to be reality to you? What do you need to do? If, if first, you may need to surrender to the Lord. You may already be surrendering to the Lord and just, no, but you've got to get, you know, that's right, it's your way, God, not mine. And then, what do you need to do? And I'm confident that the, you know some things you need to do. And if you don't, I'm going to stay up here for a little while afterwards. If anybody wants to talk about anything related to this sermon, come up and let's talk, okay? Um, 
But don't hear this sermon and say, nice sermon, and go away unchanged. Okay? Don't do that. You know, I left out a whole point. I just realized. But here's the deal. If you live, if you are, you have an untroubled soul at heart and you're not fearful in the middle of a world that is very troubled and fearful, you have a powerful testimony for the Lord. And people say, how in the world can you do that? Well, I do that because Jesus is the way that I do that. He's the truth that enables me to do that. And, and he's the life. He gives me this life. I don't have to do that. See, powerful testimony for God. Father, we come to and thank you that you have made it possible for us to not be troubled and, and not to be fearful. And I pray, Father, we'll remember that when life hits us, and it does, when life hits us and we have a troubled heart and we find ourselves fearful, that we would remember what you've told us. And we would lean back into you and that you would help us, as you promised, not to have troubled or fearful hearts. That we might be powerful, powerful testimonies for you in this dark and very troubled world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.